0: We are back. And in this hour, Professor Terrence Kill, who is the founding director of the University of California, Los Angeles Biocritical Studies Lab and a national expert on the intersection of law enforcement and race science, is here uh, in an exclusive interview to talk about a, a new study, a groundbreaking study that's published in the winter edition of ISIS. Now, this is the nation's Premier Journal for the History of Science and Medicine. Uh, This uh, study, this groundbreaking study, Professor Keel, uh, has the potential of changing forever the way law enforcement agencies across this country, police communities. Tell us about the study, uh, what prompted you to uh, perform this study, and what some of the critical findings are.
1: Well, first, I want to thank you, Ariba, for this opportunity to discuss the issue of police weapons and their impact on vulnerable Black, Brown, and poor communities here in the United States and also abroad. You know, pepper spray is the most common chemical weapon used by U.S. law enforcement today. And it's become popular since the 1980s as police departments around the nation uh, look to improve their image after media depicted violence against civil rights activists and protesters in the 1950s and the 1960s and so law enforcement essentially wanted a non-lethal alternative to fire weapons and they reached for pepper spray now prior to this time period pepper spray was largely used as an animal repellent and was also marketed to uh white women after the integration of american urban cities in the 1960s The active ingredient in pepper spray goes by the technical name of Oloresium capsicum, or OC. Um, It's a very pungent oil that's extracted from chili peppers. And it was a a pepper that was originally cultivated by the indigenous populations and now what's known as Central Mexico, as early as 7,000 BCE. Uh, It eventually makes its way into the global um, market during slavery and European colonization. Uh, by the Spanish and the Portuguese. And um, we have evidence to show that uh, it begins to be used as a weapon of torture for enslaved populations as early as the sixteenth century. Uh, one thing I'll just simply say before we really get into the details of this, uh, OC is a highly reactive chemical substance that when it comes into contact with the tissues of humans and mammals, it causes debilitating pain and inflammation and death and this is something that scientists and researchers have known um, really uh, since the 1970s and 1980s and american scientists have known this since the 1990s and yet still pepper spray is talked about and believed to be a non-lethal alternative to weapons and firearms and this paper uh, which was co-authored by myself and um, jonah walters who was a fellow in my lab uh, was really designed to explain the durability of this idea of non-lethality of pepper spray. Why is it that we continue to use this armament? Uh, and more importantly, why is this chemical weapon unregulated by the federal government in the United States? Which is another finding in our study that we found completely shocking. In addition to the fact that, that this device, this weapon kills people and takes and takes lives. So it's a very um, troubling, uh, story that involves slavery and police and the American government.
0: So it's interesting because when I first learned about the uh, study and you know the research that you were doing, the first question that I had was you know if i look up pepper spray in you know the, the dictionary or if i go to google and look up pepper spray what would i find and true enough uh, what i found was pepper spray is known as a non lethal weapon Uh, or a weapon that cannot kill people. So the way it's even talked about, you know, online in literature is consistent with what you said. It's described as non-lethal. The report that I saw online went on to say that while death is rare, uh, reports have linked several deaths with the use of pepper spray. And in fact, in 2003, the Department of Justice reported on an investigation into 63 deaths of people in custody, uh, and those deaths were related to the use of pepper spray. Uh, so, you know, it begs the question of if your research, you know, as a result of your research, you have concluded that this pepper spray is not non-lethal. And as brilliant as I know that you are, uh, as you have just stated, that this has been known, widely known in the American, U.S. scientific community. Why is it that this myth of pepper spray being non-lethal, why has it been perpetuated all of these years?
1: Right, there are really two reasons or sources for this myth. The first takes us back to slavery and the really the first encounter by Europeans with this chili pepper. And then the second reason brings us to the present. And I wanna say a little bit about the first before I move to the present. And so when European, Colonialists came to the Americas and discovered this early pepper. They also brought with them these highly racist ideas about people who live closer to the equator in warm climates having an innate tolerance for hot temperatures, spicy foods, and also, importantly, high pain tolerance. And what European colonists began to believe is that somehow uh, West African populations and Mesoamerican communities and indigenous people were immune to the effects of pepper and that they could consume this food, use it in their diets, use it for medicinal properties, because peppers for a very long time have been used um, as a medicine. In fact, it continues to be used as a medicine. Uh, And so this was wedded with an idea about the difference in black and brown bodies that makes them more sort of resistant to the effects of peppers. And so when this idea begins to mix with the brutality of slavery um, we have documented evidence of slave masters and overseers using peppers as a form of weapon and punishment this documents as early as the 16th century in the caribbean but also in the americas uh, as early as the 18th and 19th century Um, we were able to discover uh, interviews of formerly enslaved people that were conducted by the federal government in the 1930s where enslaved Black Americans talked about having been whipped by slave masters and having uh, peppers and ground black pepper rubbed into the wounds of their bodies. And not only is this dramatic and shocking, but it also reveals a kind of disturbing mentality of being able to use this food source on a people where it's believed, that rubbing this into the wounds of them would not kill them, but it would subdue them. It would punish them. It would create forms of subjugation that would diminish the will of a unruly or untrustworthy subject. And I want to stress that because this idea that peppers are somehow are benign or not violent or not or not um, lethal carries with this idea of you use the pepper to subdue someone who's. Not listening to reason, who's untrustworthy and who can be punished. And this very same logic that was really pioneered in the context of slavery has endured into our present political moment with the use of peppers uh, within law enforcement. So I, I think the, the 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 roots in slavery are really really important, and specifically the idea that peppers can be used to subdue someone's will. Um, the second point has to do with science medicine and law enforcement Mm
2: -hmm. what
1: happens essentially is that um, law enforcement departments have a PR problem after the civil rights era black activists and their allies are being beaten and bludgeoned to death on camera for American viewers to see all throughout the United States in the 50s and the 60s and in fact this televised brutality by law enforcement was used to the advantage of Martin Luther King and SNCC and other civil rights organizations to put the pressure on Congress to pass the Civil Rights Voting Acts. At the same time, however, uh, the public began to sort of lose its trust in law enforcement and police. And it's in, in this moment, law enforcement began to um, adopt this pepper spray, which had been marketed largely as an animal deterrent and used largely to ward off bears and deers uh, and also as a self-defense tool. Uh, within the consumer market. And there's some important parts that are relevant here. Uh, One, when this weapon was adopted by law enforcement, there really hadn't been any conclusive studies concerning its lethality by American scientists. There had been some work by scientists in Europe, specifically in London, who were studying mice and looking at the sort of physiological effects, but there wasn't enough known about the actual substance to determine for, for good whether or not it was lethal. And so not having this information, it was re, it was introduced into the police um, arsenal without knowing for sure whether or not it was going to take people's lives. And sure enough, shortly after it was introduced into um, law enforcement technology, people began to experience severe reactions and in some cases actually death. These efforts or these cases were largely ignored and suppressed, and it has everything to do with sort of trying to maintain the status of law enforcement and the legitimacy of violence against brown and black populations. For example, we know that in 1995, in the early 1990s, the National Institute of Justice conducted their own study of pepper spray, and specifically of OC. And what they discovered uh, in this study, using mice essentially, is that a 185 pound man, needed only to be exposed to about 1.46 fluid ounces of OC on the skin before it was lethal. This Mm -hmm. same 180-pound person could die if they had swallowed something around two tablespoons of OC. And why this is important is that in many cases when law enforcement are using pepper spray, they're using pepper spray at incredibly long intervals, incredibly short-range intervals, the, the, the chemical substance is going into the eyes, it's going into the skin, it's going into the, into the mouth of subjects. But also, and more importantly, pepper spray for law enforcement use is unregulated by the federal government. It's also unregulated by state legislators. Mm-hmm. In this paper, we tried to find state laws that put set limits on how much uh, OC one can have for law enforcement. and we couldn't find any laws that regulated this. There are consumer laws that regulate how much OC you can have in the pepper spray you could buy at Big Five or at a sporting goods store. But the mm-hmm. kind that's sold to law enforcement and police is completely unregulated. And we don't actually know what those chemical compositions are and how much of it is there. And so what, all this shows- think,
0: Let me just stop you for a second and ask you, Professor, why do you think there's been so few studies uh, related to the use of pepper spray, particularly as it relates to humans? Because again, as I just kind of scroll- through stories about pepper spray on the internet, I am finding stories of people uh, who have died, particularly those who have been restrained by police or excessive force has been uh, alleged by family members or advocates. So it's not as if there are no incidents of Mm -hmm. death or serious injuries related to the use of pepper spray.
1: Yes, well, so to be clear, there actually have been studies about the effects of pepper spray. But the studies that have been conducted have been either commissioned by law enforcement or the federal government itself, or they've been taken up by scientists who are very sympathetic to law enforcement and police. And so we talk about this in the paper. Many of these studies actually cannot mimic the real world conditions under which people are sprayed with pepper spray. But wait a minute, if you say
0: some of these stories have been taken up or have been conducted by the government do you mean the US mm-hmm. government the federal government Yes,
1: yes that's, so right. that's are you right.
0: suggesting that the federal government uh, has inherent bias and that they too have been you know more sympathetic to the police and that their results are unreliable
1: This is exactly what we're suggesting the federal government doesn't commission its own study into pepper spray until 1995 but the police departments were already using it as early as 1980. So what essentially happens is that this weapon gets introduced into law enforcement as an effort to clean up their image. And no one really bothers to really test for certain how lethal this is. And by the time studies are actually commissioned, it's largely because there's been several cases being brought to courts and being brought to police saying that my family member died as a result of being sprayed by pepper spray. again. So, you
0: know, the U S government is this, this huge you know, body. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, a monolith. And so when we talk mm-hmm. about the studies, are you talking about law enforcement, federal law enforcement agents conducting these studies or, you know, the National Institute of Health? Like what branch of government has conducted the studies? Because, you know, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but it sounds like you're saying like if the NIH is conducting the study. The NIH is burying information on somehow. Distorting the results to favor another branch of the government i.e law enforcement. Uh, think about that when we come forward, we want to get the answer to that and also want to bring into this conversation Dr. Darren Porter. He is a former uh, law enforcement uh, agent and he also is a law enforcement expert. We want to get his take on uh, the use of pepper spray, the training that officers get around pepper spray, and uh, how this report might be used to change the way police departments around this country. Uh, conduct policing. Stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580.
2: You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk
0: 1580. We are back with Professor Terrence Kill from UCLA, who's out with a shocking new report that pepper spray uh, used by police departments around this country is in fact lethal. Although if you look up pepper spray on Google, you will find the definition of of it being non-lethal. And I've just been perusing the internet, just looking to see how pepper spray is being reported on, what the stories are. And there's actually a case, a Trenton police officer, uh, Trenton, New Jersey, who has been indicted on a criminal charge for pepper spraying a 64-year-old man who died 18 days after a confrontation with police outside his home. Uh, so uh, I want to bring in... Officer or former officer, now Dr. Darren Porcher, he is a law enforcement expert. Uh, welcome, Dr. Portcher. I haven't seen you in a while, but thank you for joining us. So, uh, Dr. Keel is out today with this really important report saying that the way we are all told and taught uh about pepper spray in this country is wrong, and that we've been led to believe that it is non-lethal. And he's out with a report that contradicts that and uh, obviously, law enforcement agencies are keenly aware of this. Folks are being indicted for the use of pepper spray, indicted uh, for deaths associated with it. So if law enforcement do have some public awareness about uh, how lethal pepper spray can be, why is it so widely used uh, with police departments across this country?
2: Well, for starters, good afternoon, Ariva. Good afternoon, Terrence. And good afternoon to everyone that's tuned in. When we speak to the aspect or the perspective of the use of force that police officers employ, pepper spray is one of those components to fall um, within that purview. Now, on many instances, we refer to pepper spray as a non-lethal um, weapon that can be used. Non-lethal weapons can be uh, pepper spray; they could be tasers, um, batons, etc. But do you have instances where people lose their lives? Yes, you do. Therefore, we need to have a constant revolution in training or professional development within police departments. I was a sergeant in the NYPD's police academy, so I trained recruits on a regular basis on the application of pepper spray. In addition to that, um, I worked in the Internal Affairs Bureau in the NYPD as a lieutenant where I investigated and in, in many cases prosecuted officers for misconduct and excessive force. I think that. Police officers, when they employ pepper spray, have to be of the understanding of you want to employ an objectively reasonable amount of force, meaning what is the immediate threat? Is the person resisting? And what is the crime? You don't want to use a disproportionate level of force against an individual when you're encountering them pepper spray initially was deemed as one of those um, non-lethal use of force methods that would not cause uh, an extreme level of harm. Prior to pepper spray, police departments were equipped with mace, and we found on many occasions the mace was ineffective. So as a result of the ineffective nature of mace, the uh, police departments have now progressed to to pepper spray. Police departments, as well as postal workers or postal carriers, do carry this level of a non lethal level of force. But once again, it needs to be done or employed in an objectively reasonable manner. If it's excessive, the officer needs to be either prosecuted fired or disciplined accordingly it's on a case-by-case basis and no matter what you use as a police officer you're going to cause a person's death because when we think about a, a dangerous instrument for example it could be a chair it can be a glass of water it can be a tube of water it can cause someone's death but at the same token it needs to be that being pepper spray needs to be employed smartly. And if there are problems with this, that's when we need to revisit it and train accordingly. And if worst case scenario, if we have to remove pepper spray from the iteration and replace it with something else, so be it.
0: So let me ask you this, Professor Keel. what what, uh, our law enforcement expert is suggesting is that there may be a level, an amount, a quantity of pepper spray that can be used that won't have you know, these kind of serious consequences. And I'm not sure, is is that what your research has found is that there is some level of pepper spray that can be deployed by law enforcement, or I'm looking at cases even involving neighbors using pepper spray and someone dying as a result of a neighbor uh, spraying, uh, you know, a dosage of pepper spray. You know, is there some level where if, if it's, you know, two ounces, it's okay, but if it's five ounces, it's then lethal? I think you're uh, At least muted. muted.
1: My apologies for that. Uh, to answer your question, no, there isn't an objective measure or amount that can be used where you can be 100% confident that it is non-lethal. And this is what the scientists have told us for some time and in fact, scientists who work for the National Institute of Justice and Department of Energy were the one who commissioned the study in 1995 where they realized that again, 1.46 fluid ounces would kill 50% of the test subjects if exposed. Right. So that means that you could be exposing people to lesser amounts and you would still reach lethality and death essentially. So I think what we need to do, and I think I want to, you know, signal and 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 agree with our our officer, law enforcement expert here. There needs to be a revolution in the way that we think about this weapon, and that revolution needs to involve this is a lethal weapon. And there have been several recent cases, like the case of Tyrone West, who dies in the street of Baltimore after being sprayed um, numerous times by pepper spray in July of 2013. So much so that the officers who were involved, and there were 12 officers who arrested him and sprayed him, they themselves had to be taken to the hospital as a result of exposure and contamination. And yet even still in the case of Tyrone West, his death was deemed to be undetermined and possibly attributed to a cardiovascular disease. So we have cases where it's not just law enforcement training. Bodies are very different. The composition of our bodies are very different. When you have a weapon that is lethal, we can't predict in advance its effects, and I think community activists, uh, people working on police reform, they want a world where law enforcement don't have lethal weapons. Full we'll stop. And well, I, think I think this I think stuff. The
0: irony of, in this is the way pepper spray is presented to the public is that on the continuum of force that police officers have available, obviously, you know, shooting someone with a gun being the most serious, is that pepper spray, you know, is is less. Is It's, you know, low on the continuum. And so when you use pepper spray, it's going to, of course, you know, subdue someone, but it's not going to cause the same kind of bodily harm and potential death that shooting someone with, you know, a gun or or using a rifle or using uh, some other very serious level of force. And that's what's troubling to me, because I feel like as the public, we've all bought into the use of pepper spray as being, uh, you know, to the extent you're going to... uh, agree that police can use force in certain situations, that pepper spray, again, is a lesser use of force and uh, is not going to cause the kind of serious injuries. Again, I'm I'm just finding case after case after case on the internet of individuals who have been exposed to, whether it's by a neighbor or police officer. So we should be clear about this, that there are individuals in your community who Mm -hmm. may have access to pepper spray and may be using it. So it's not just law enforcement, although uh, clearly law enforcement is using it uh, throughout this country, as, as uh, Dr. Portra has told us. When we come forward, I want to talk about Dr. Portra. What does this mean? Is this the kind of report that law enforcement agencies across this country are going to take and use in a way that's going to uh, constitute some kind of reform? Are we going to see police officers trained differently on the use of pepper spray, or perhaps the elimination of pepper spray in the arsenal of tools uh, that they have uh, in conducting the work that they do on these streets each and every day. Stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. We are back, and UCLA Professor Terrence Kill is joining me, as well as former New York uh, Police Sergeant Dr. Darren Porter. We're talking about a new study that's out Uh, By Dr. Keel and his lab at UCLA, that says that pepper spray is a lethal uh, weapon, basically, and that law enforcement agencies all around this country that use pepper spray need to reevaluate their use of this substance. Uh, This report suggests that the uh, FDA needs to regulate this substance. And I would say that the public needs to be reeducated about. Uh, pepper spray and the serious consequences that it can cause, including death. So the question to you, uh, Dr. Porcher, is what is a law enforcement agency or what will law enforcement agencies around this country, you think, do with the findings of Dr. Kiel's report? It's, uh, this study is being published in the winter edition of ISIS. Uh, it's, ISIS is considered the nation's premier journal for the history of science and medicine. Uh, So this is, you know, being published in a a very reputable journal, uh, journal, uh, excuse me, uh, and there's some pretty serious implications outlined in this study.
2: Well, I believe that the study should be reviewed and it should be taken in consideration amongst police departments throughout the country. I work as an expert and I represent plaintiffs in 1983 or civil rights violations um, against plaintiffs by police all over the country. And primarily, I focus on these use of force cases. And what happens is if you have a robust level of research behind something like pepper spray, for example, Um, It's introduced into the courts and an expert can review this and present this into a court case. And if the plaintiff is successful in this particular matter, then that's what in many instances will cause police departments to change the practice of whether it's using pepper spray, whether it's the way they train officers to use a baton, etc., that's the way things get done. Uh, we can have a tabletop conversation about this, which is all well and good. But ultimately, I find policy has changed within police departments through civil lawsuits, and they have been effective. And it's just unfortunate that the taxpayer is on the hook based on the failure to train officers properly in police departments throughout the country. So I'm open to it. Um, I applaud the fact that this study was conducted, and hopefully this can be injected into police departments and they can make the, uh, the, an accurate assessment to say, hey, look, let's take what we feel can work for the public, because police officers are public servants, to ensure that we have a lesser degree of people that are hurt or even killed by police officers in street interactions.
0: So professor uh, Kiel, what uh Dr. Porter is talking about is how experts in these 19 uh 83, 83 cases, cases uh these these police brutality cases how experts rely on research done by you know researchers like yourself and clearly, that's one way, and I agree with Dr. Porter that laws get changed in this country is because civil litigation has that impact. The police department gets hit with a $50 million judgment. It causes everyone to take notice and to go back and to reevaluate their policies. Uh, That's a case by case basis. And we got to wait for that perfect case to happen. We've got to hope that that lawyer finds your research. So there are a lot of things that have to fall into place. Uh, I'm just wondering in in a more holistic way, in a more comprehensive way, how can this research, you know, find its way into uh, law enforcement agencies across this country, including at the federal level? And we see some wholesale changes in the way police departments are, are using pepper spray.
1: I think that's a great and important question. I think the thing that I would like your your viewers and listeners to, to take away from this discussion is that the pepper spray used by police departments in the United States is unregulated. What that means is that the composition of the OC that's in their devices, the volume that they use, the mechanism of distributing it, varies from agency to agency. It depends on what weapon manufacturer they're producing. This makes pepper spray completely different than a firearm or a nine millimeter weapon. A nine millimeter is always gonna be a nine millimeter regardless of who hands it is. But a pepper spray device may be dramatically different from one department to the other depending on who is the manufacturer. So what we need is federal regulation of law enforcement grade pepper spray. The consumer side is already regulated. Law enforcement side is not regulated. Well, let me and until second, that, for
0: a second. So I, I did see a case involving a consumer that sprayed pepper spray on a neighbor during some kind of you know altercation and that person died as a result. So are you saying that the regulation on the consumer side, you know, that, that was an aberration that shouldn't happen, that the way it's, it's regulated on the consumer side should not lead to uh, that kind of outcome?
1: I'm saying two things. I'm saying simply. There are regulations for consumers, but even then we're dealing with a lethal substance. So you should expect to see people, even on the consumer side, tragically losing their lives when sprayed with pepper spray. But that isn't the real crisis that black and brown communities who are subjected to law enforcement violence are really dealing with. The vast majority of the issue are when police use pepper spray and they take someone's life and that death is blamed as heart failure or asthma. When in fact, what we should be saying is, well, what was the composition of that pepper spray that was used on them? Because we know that it's an unregulated substance when it's in the hands of law enforcement. So in other words, training is good, but training won't matter if the pepper spray used by police departments is not regulated at the federal level. And that is the major concern of the communities and organizations that I work with who have inspired this study the countless cases that I have read in my lab of people who have lost their lives after being subjected by police to pepper spray, only to have their families be told this person died because of asthma or a heart condition. That has to change.
0: Have you shared the results of your study uh, to date with any law enforcement agencies?
1: To date, our study has not been shared, but my hope with this conversation, it will give us an opportunity to Uh, inspire the interest of law enforcement and police departments to be interested in the work that we're doing.
0: So, uh, Dr. Porcher, I I know you said that from your experience, what you've seen is that policies change when folks are sued, when there are big judgments uh, awarded against police departments. But are you hopeful at all that uh, Dr. Kill can You know, arrange a series of meetings or in in some way figure out how to disseminate this information to police departments and that we don't have to wait until someone is dead, until there's a lawsuit that's been filed against a police department, but that police departments on their own might voluntarily agree to either do their own additional research or to incorporate uh, into their practices uh, new policies based on this research.
2: The pathway to engagement would be to confer with whoever the director of training is in a particular police department. You probably want to start with a place like Los Angeles. You even have a police department at UCLA. You engage the uh, the director of training in that particular component, and then that's where your conversation starts. There's no national standard um, in policing, so you're going to have to go block by block. But I think where you can probably get a more... Um, macro perspective would be if you engage the manufacturer of the pepper spray and that would enhance or enable you to get your message out to more police departments because that manufacturer of pepper spray may be willing to partner with you to reduce the level of potency with the particular pepper spray that's being used by police.
0: That's an excellent point. And that was going to be a question I was going to ask you, Professor Keel, is have you had conversations with manufacturers or even with federal uh, you know the FDA the, the agency responsible for regulating I don't know if it's the FDA but whatever that federal agency is that re- would be responsible for regulating uh, the chemical
1: so in writing this report and study we did have conversations with manufacturers but unsurprisingly manufacturers are not exactly forthcoming and wanting to disclose the composition of their chemical uh, pepper spray that's sold to police departments. And in fact, most manufacturers use the Scoville rating to talk about the concentration of their pepper spray. You might've heard Scoville rating, it's because it's the rating that's used on hot sauce and hot pepper, right? But there's a scientific standard that should be used in place of the Scoville rating. And most manufacturers are not necessarily so willing to adopt changes that might cut into their market share selling to police departments. On the federal side, the hope is that the work to be done in the coming months is to have these kinds of conversations because I think it's federal leadership that is what we really need to get this substance regulated at a national level.
0: And it's always about what we can do, everyday people, listeners, viewers. And one of the things you can do is contact your congressperson, your senator, uh, and let them know that you were watching Ariva Martin in real time, and you heard Professor Kill and you heard Dr. Uh, Porcher talk about the lethal nature of pepper spray, and you have concerns. And you'd like to see congressional hearings. You'd like to see Congress uh, get involved and take up this issue so that uh, we can have the kinds of regulation that will protect people. Because as we know, as Dr. Akil has made it very clear, Black and brown folks uh, suffer disproportionately at the hands of police around this country, whether it's arrest or prosecution, we know that uh, we are disproportionately impacted by policing. So I encourage everyone, learn more about this study, learn more about Dr. Kill. You can uh, go to UCLA's website and learn about the work that he is doing and reach out to your elected official. They are in office to serve you. Uh, And this is a critically important issue, an issue of importance to African-American, Latino, communities of color, Uh, We are always looking at ways to improve interactions with police and to make policing safer for our communities. Uh, And this is really an important step in that direction. Thank you so much, Professor Keel, for the work that you are doing. Again, a groundbreaking study published in the winter edition of ISIS magazine that has found that pepper spray, a chemical commonly used by police departments across the country, is a lethal substance. And thank you, Dr. Portia, for your insights on this very important issue.